0: You're listening to Sermon Audio from Jerusalem Church, an independent Reformed church in Mannheim, Pennsylvania. Our expository preaching ministry is devoted to proclaiming the law and the gospel for the glory of God and the salvation, growth, and comfort of Christ's church. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at JerusalemChurch.net. Here's a message that we hope strengthens your faith and comforts your soul. You're in school about to take a big and important exam and you get 45 minutes and you're nervous and the teacher says you may begin and starts the timer and you flip over the exam and to your chagrin, each page is covered with colorful little squares and you don't see any questions and then it hits you. You forgot to bring along the the red decoder glasses the teacher gave out. You can't see the questions hidden inside of the the colorful squares. And and your classmates, they all have red glasses on, and they're busy answering the questions, and there you sit, unable to make sense of the exam. That sounds like a nightmare, doesn't it? Maybe you'll have it tonight. (laughs) Since I planted it in your head. When you feel the pain of hardships, maybe bullying, or a stressful job, or the consequences of sin or a serious diagnosis. You may have a hard time making sense of hardships. Afflictions can feel purposeless. And when you experience them, you might struggle to understand what God is doing in and through them. You you might even feel that God is aloof or that God is cruel for allowing afflictions if you only had decoder glasses for your afflictions. Maybe you do. God's providence is how you see your heavenly father's goodness and love and care amidst afflictions. Belief in God's providence allows you to peer into, your, into the good and the bad events of your life and to see the goodness of God and the love of your heavenly father. If you don't look at and interpret life through God's providence, you'll likely be self-centered, Self-confidence, confused, impatient, ungrateful, anxious, and distant from God. Many people consider God's sovereignty more controversial than comforting. And that's not right. J.I. Packer said, The truth of God's almightiness in creation and providence and grace is the basis of all our trust, peace, and joy in God and the safeguard of all our hopes of answered prayer, present protection, and final salvation, end quote. Friends, your heavenly Father's almighty providence is the basis of your confidence and comfort in all of life's ups and downs. Here's my point. God's providence is a fortress of confidence and comfort for you amidst the onslaught of affliction. I want to invite you to come with me inside the fortress of God's providence to experience confidence and comfort inside. It's like we're in a war, and we're heading together inside the fortress. Let's go inside the doctrine of God's providence to experience deeper confidence and comfort in God. It may seem a bit scary. The war is intense, and the fortress may be unfamiliar, but there is safety inside. God's goodness and God's faithfulness are inside. Will I answer every question and address every issue? No, but what I hope to do is to show you what God himself has revealed about himself and his providence and help you find confidence and comfort in God. I have six things that you must trust in order to enjoy the truth and benefit of God's providence. You will find confidence and comfort in the fortress of God's providence when you number 1 trust that God is your father almighty and maker of heaven and earth. In week 1 I made the point that to truly believe in the gospel you uh, is to know the gospel, assent to the gospel and trust In the gospel, to the salvation, growth, and comfort of your soul. In week two, I asserted that God graciously reveals himself to you so that by believing in him, you can rightly know, confess, and commune with him. God reveals to you his essence in creation, but reveals so much more in scripture, And this led into week three when I argued that to truly know, confess, and commune with the one true living God, you must know, confess, and commune with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is one essence. God is three persons. In week four, I established a point that is vital for today. For the sake of Christ, God is your Father. Who works all things for your good because he is almighty and faithful and loves you? God's providence springs forth from God's almightiness. And then last week I said, God the Father created you and everything else for his glory and your salvation. So receive his Son by faith, so that by his Holy Spirit you can fulfill your ultimate purpose to glorify and enjoy God now and forever. God created everything out of nothing, and God created man, male and female, in his image, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness for his glory. But the question arises, did God simply create the world and then leave it to run on its own? Or is he actively involved in the world? Now, do you want your commercial airline pilot to get the plane in the air and then to jump out mid-flight, trusting you to finish the trip? No. No, I don't want to be on that plane. You count on him to get the plane safely in the air, to maintain control of the plane during the entire trip, and to bring the plane to a safe landing. Deism recognizes a supreme being, but generally rejects providence. Like a great clockmaker, the false god of deism creates the world to run by its own laws and not his ongoing governance and preservation. The false god of deism is in large part distant and unwilling to get involved in the affairs of men. Some professing Christians think this way. They believe and confess that God is sovereign, but God is not in control. They argue dominion is ours, not God's, so we're in control. They don't believe or confess that God ordains whatever comes to pass, which calls into question his almightiness and his sovereignty. Now, it's easy to feel the pain of adversity and to think that it's empty of purpose, empty of meaning, empty of God's love. That's easy, but this deistic thinking undermines our assurance. Your sinus said, those that deny the creation and providence of God deny also his attributes. And in doing this, they neither magnify nor praise God, but deny him. Dr. Michael McClenahan from Union Theological College in Belfast wrote, quote, many distortions of the doctrine of providence are traceable back to a failure to think rightly about God. The problem with these distortions is not simply that they are disordered, which they are, but that they rob people of the comfort and hope that this teaching should bring to the redeemed children of Adam, End quote. Brothers and sisters, to deny God's providence is to deny essential attributes of God and to undermine your own confidence and comfort in God. So, believing And confessing that God not only created all things, but that he also upholds and sustains and cares for all things is essential to your confidence and comfort in God. You will find confidence and comfort in the fortress of God's providence when you, number two, trust that God is good. Now, I want to acknowledge here that the doctrine of God's providence is mysterious and provokes questions. You may ask if God ordains whatsoever comes to pass, even evil and sin, how can he be good? And keep in mind, God hasn't revealed everything to us. We must live with mystery. We must believe and trust what he does reveal. God's providence will be an impenetrable fortress of security and peace when you truly believe that God is good and works all things for your salvation and good. First, Scripture reveals that God is incapable of wickedness and wrongdoing, that God is upright, that there is no unrighteousness in him, and that God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. Evil and malice are contrary to God's divine essence. Additionally, second, Scripture teaches that God is good. Psalm 25, 8 says, good and upright is the Lord. Psalm 100, verse 5 adds, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness through to all generations. When Jesus commanded his disciples to love their enemies and to pray for those who persecute them, he used his father as the example to follow. Jesus said, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For for believers and unbelievers alike, God satisfies their hearts with food and gladness. Paul said in his Areopagus address that God made the world and everything in it, and as Lord of heaven and earth, gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Paul quoted a secular poet and said, in him we live and move and have our being. Scripture teaches that God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Believers who love God and unbelievers who hate God enjoy many good things like marriage, children, grandchildren, meaningful work, freedom, beauty, pleasure, and more because God is good and he generously gives. There's no question about it, folks. God is good. So whatever God reveals about his divine providence in scripture, we know it does not. Indeed, it cannot conflict with his goodness. In fact, God's providence is confirmation of his goodness. The Reverend Dr. Danny Hyde said, out of the overwhelming goodness of God, he who created all things cares for all things. That's providence. God not only created heaven and earth, God sovereignly upholds, sustains, and cares for heaven and earth because he's good. You will find confidence and comfort in the fortress of God's providence when you, number three, trust that God is sovereign, but not the cause of evil and sin. Now, this is a difficult point to grasp because of its mystery. But again, we must believe what God reveals in Scripture. Since God is good, he cannot be the cause of evil and sin. Since God is almighty, he must be sovereign over evil and sin. As Westminster Confession of Faith 3.1 says, God from all eternity did, by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably ordain whatever comes to pass. And I realize, folks, that this raises some questions. There's tension with that. I, I know that. But God has revealed to us in His Word that He works all things according to the counsel of His will. He reveals that not even one little sparrow falls to the ground apart from His will. He reveals that demons exist and operate under His divine power and respond to His divine will. God reveals in Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Scripture even reveals that the king's heart is, is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Proverbs 21.1, God even sovereignly determines casino results. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast, cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. There is no fate, chance, or luck. There is only meaningful providence. God has been clear. He is sovereign over everything. And His purpose unfolds according to His sovereign will, to His glory, and the good of His people his promises are sure, unchangeable, and unthwartable precisely because he is almighty God and he foreordains and directs everything toward his glory and the salvation of his elect. And because he is good, he cannot be the author of evil and sin. Evil and sin are contrary to his essence. God is the first and sovereign cause of all things, yet we must not dismiss the existence of second causes and human responsibility. God is sovereign. He foreordains whatever comes to pass. He works everything for his glory according to his will, and yet it wasn't God who stole my bike at Caledonia State Park when I was a teenager. Someone else has to give account for that wickedness. What I'm saying is showcased in the suffering and crucifixion of Christ. John 3.16 makes it clear that the Father gave His Son. Romans 8.32 says that the Father did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. The suffering and death of Jesus Christ, God's Son, were God's plan. Yet the blood of Jesus is on sinners' hands. Proof? In Acts 2:23 Peter preached to the crowd, "This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men." Th- though mysterious, we have two concurrent truths: one, God sovereignly purposed the cross, and two, lawless human beings are responsible for the cross. Acts 4 asserts that Herod, Pilate, Gentiles, and Jews did what the hand and plan of God had predestined to take place. Oh, the mystery of God's providence. I cannot fully understand it, nor can I fully explain it, but I present what God has revealed about it. Now, if you're ever going to find confidence and comfort in the fortress of God's providence, you need to trust that God is sovereign but not the cause of evil and sin. We cannot transgress the boundaries of God's revelation in Scripture because some mysteries are not yet revealed. You will find confidence and comfort in the fortress of God's providence when you, number four, trust that God is clearly revealing His providence to you in Scripture and your life. Now I haven't yet formally defined what providence is, so let me try. What does it mean to confess I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth? What are we saying there? Heidelberg 26 answers, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them. That was last week. Uh, 26 continues, and who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence. Okay. Providence is God upholding and governing creation by his almighty power according to his sovereign will for his own glory. And I'll finish Heidelberg 26 in a moment, but let me continue to define providence. Heidelberg 27 explains, God's providence is his almighty, there's the link, His almighty and ever-present power, whereby as with his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures, and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. So nothing is random or accidental or lucky or meaningless. Rather, everything is from your Father's hand for your good. And when you doubt that, remember the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God created everything. We believe it. We confess that. Do you also believe and confess that everything continues to exist And operate because God sovereignly upholds, preserves, and governs it. Your Sinus explained a truth that's hard to grasp, but is central to your security and peace. Your Sinus said, But providence is the eternal, most free, immutable, wise, just, and good counsel of God, according to which he affects. All good things in his creatures, permits also evil things to be done, and directs all, both good and evil, to his own glory and the salvation of his people. Providence is God's divine ability to work both good and evil for his glory and your salvation. That's his power, that's his sovereignty, that's his fatherly care. The alternative is that evil and sin are outside of God's control, are ultimately meaningless, and that God is unable to work everything for your good. What has God revealed? Nehemiah 9.6 says, you are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them and the host of heaven worships you. Scripture presents God's providence as reason to worship God. And yes, there, there are perplexing aspects of this truth. Scripture also reveals that God brings disaster and calamity, hardens people's hearts, sends people a strong delusion, gives people up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done, changes times and seasons, removes kings and sets up kings, gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those with understanding, reveals deep and hidden things, gives strength. There are verses for all of these. And if there's a struggle to believe and confess God's providence, perhaps it's because something inside us wants to believe that we are greater than God. We make plans. We work hard. We achieve. We are captains of our own soul. And yet Proverbs 19:21 keeps us humble. It says, "Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand." Now, I've never been to Field of Screams. I don't plan on it. Honestly, People go to Fields of Screams willingly and pay money to be scared. But they go knowing it's fake. They won't be hurt. They won't be murdered. However, if you're vacationing at a cabin in the woods, and all of a sudden, Field of Screams starts happening outside of the cabin, you're having a very different result. Very different response. Now, what's the difference? One scenario, you're confident you won't be harmed. And the other scenario, not so sure how this thing's going to end. Context is important. God's providence allows you to endure real afflictions with the confidence and comfort that you will never perish. Perish. You won't perish. God is working for your salvation. Dr. McClenahan said the Christian doctrine of providence is a teaching of unspeakable consolation rooted in the life of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here's the rest of Heidelberg 26. The eternal Father is for the sake of Christ his Son. My God And my father, in him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul and will also turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this life of sorrow. He is able to do so as almighty God and willing also as a faithful father, what's hard for you right now? What adversity are you experiencing? What afflictions are coming your way? Escape, escape to the fortress of God's providence and behold God's goodness and God's grace. In your adversity, notice the ways that he's providing for you. Notice the ways that he's caring for you. Notice the ways that he's strengthening you. Johnny Erickson Tada, one of my heroes, has suffered over 56 years as a quadriplegic. Her pain is excruciating. And I just want you to hear how she thinks about God's bitter providence for her like a black velvety cloth set against diamonds. Your disability provides a remarkable backdrop that magnifies patience, perseverance, endurance, and uncomplaining spirit. These Christ-like qualities that God longs to cultivate in your life are amplified against your obvious hardships. Your chronic condition is no doubt obvious to others, But what God wants to make obvious to others is your perseverance and lack of complaint. Your adversity is is a black, velvety cloth backdrop. God desires to showcase in your afflictions the sparkling and beautiful diamonds of his son, his spirit, his provision, his grace, and his power inside of your patience thankfulness, gentleness, humility, and perseverance. You will find confidence and comfort in the fortress of God's providence when you, number five, trust that God is providing for you and turning to your good all adversity he sends you. Consider the afflictions of Joseph's life. Jacob loved Joseph more than his other sons. That's a hard family dynamic. Joseph got a special coat from dad. Joseph's brothers hated him. How does that feel? Joseph had dreams about his brothers bowing to him. They hated him even more and and were jealous of him. His brothers conspired against him to kill him. They threw him into a pit. They sold him into slavery and deceived Jacob so that he thought that Joseph was dead. Joseph ended up far from home in Egypt, a slave to Potiphar. He became successful, sure, as an overseer of Potiphar's house, but was falsely accused of of sexual assault by Potiphar's wife, which landed him in prison. By wisely interpreting two inmates' dreams, he had hopes of freedom, but he was then forgotten. He was incarcerated a long time, and by interpreting Pharaoh's dreams wisely, the Lord exalted Joseph to second-in-command under only Pharaoh himself. Now, it's no doubt whatsoever that the Lord greatly blessed Joseph and gave him immense success, but many afflictions led up to that great success. These afflictions, especially the hatred and betrayal of his brothers, could have made Joseph angry, bitter, resentful, and depressed. He could have deconstructed his faith because of his afflictions, And God's seeming inactivity. But that's not how how Joseph thought. Listen how Joseph thought about his afflictions. As the story goes, Joseph's brothers came to Egypt and they stood before him, striking how these dreams, right? And after testing them, he revealed himself to them. He wept. It's a very emotional thing, and and here's what happened, Genesis 45, 4 through 8. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. God used wickedness and adversity to bring about salvation. And later in the story, Joseph said one of the greatest lines in Scripture, a line about God's providence. In Genesis 50, 19 through 21, after Jacob had died, you know how that's going to feel to the brothers. Dad's dead. We're dead too. And his brothers feared their lives, and Joseph told his brothers this, do not fear, for am I in the place of God As for you, please get this, you meant evil against me, but God meant it. The evil worked against Joseph. God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Amazing. And then Joseph comforted his brothers and spoke kindly to them. And if you remember the, in the text, they didn't speak kindly to him. That's the fortress of God's providence in which, brothers and sisters, you and I can also experience confidence and comfort in God. Your afflictions are not by mistake. God has a purpose and is working for your good. Now think of Jesus, the greater Joseph, think about his suffering and cross. Think about how his life parallels Joseph's life. Jesus' brothers hated him, most of Israel hated him. They plotted his death and tried to kill him. They lied about him. They refused to bow to his supremacy. Jews and Gentiles alike brought him to a cross where he gave his life as a ransom for many. And through his affliction and through his death, he brought redemption and life for his people, his kindred, his family. You are his family, dear church. God's providence is obvious in the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ. Now, don't misunderstand We don't sin so that grace may abound. Sin and evil don't in themselves glorify God. But when we do sin and when we suffer afflictions and evil, as God's children who love him and who trust him, we can be confident that our Father will work even evil and sin for his glory and our salvation. Maybe you experienced something really hard and it woke you up to your need of God's mercy and grace it, it opened your eyes to God's, to God's grace and God's power provided you through faith you had been so apathetic whammo you wake up and God uses it somehow to draw you closer to himself Maybe your almighty father is working in your painful circumstances to show you his love and his sustaining provision and power. God uses hardship as discipline, not condemnation, discipline for you as a father loves his children. Your afflictions have a paternal purpose. Can you see God's goodness in your afflictions? Your sinus is so helpful, he said, the afflictions of the righteous are not to be regarded as a punishment or satisfaction for sin. But they are merely the chastisement of a father sent for the purpose of humbling them. Let's face it, when everything's going great, we struggle to depend on God and to give thanks to him for his sweet providence. But when our providence is bitter, he draws us close to himself to depend and to receive. Every affliction has a fatherly purpose of of your greater good. When things are going great, we tend to think too highly of our faith. Man, I am strong. Everything's going just really great right now. Everything's so blessed, hashtag blessed. It's in the furnace of affliction that our faith is fortified. Your sinus said, when all things go well, it is an easy thing for us to glory in regard to our faith, but in adversity, the grace or beauty of virtue becomes apparent. When people see God's grace in your patience and thankfulness and, and steadfastness and fortitude and endurance and perseverance, Now, here's an easy truth that we love. When you have abundant money to spend, when you feast on incredible food, when your kids succeed and they're in the paper, when you have a wonderful vacation, when the autumn leaves are vibrant in color and the air is sweet and cool and you feel terrific on that hike and when you land that business deal and when you get asked to the dance by him, when you get straight A's, when you enjoy a night of power, passion with your spouse when you win the championship when you get that promotion god is giving you good things really good things and as christians we know that god is being kind to us he's give, this is from his hand we believe and confess even praise god's providence when life is good it's when life is bitter that we struggle with god's providence And yet when life is bitter is when we really need the fortress of God's providence. We need the confidence and comfort of his providence when we get fired, when our spouse leaves or dies, when the doctor has bad news, when our child is wayward, when we lose friends because of Jesus, when we're embarrassed by our failures, when our family is broken apart, when we lose the game, when we're anxious about our country's future, that's when we need the fortress the most. That's when God's providence is most reassuring. What you believe and confess about God matters when you face adversity and endure suffering. Theology matters when God's providence is painful. God's providence is a fortress of confidence and comfort for you amidst the onslaught of afflictions. So draw near to God in your afflictions. James, James instructed us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you let us do that amidst our greatest troubles, you will find confidence and comfort. In the fortress of God's providence, when you, six, trust that God is giving you sufficient grace in Jesus Christ who suffered excruciating providence for you. God's providence for Jesus was excruciating It included body and soul pain, betrayal, false accusations, injustice, beatings, flogging, cross-bearing, sin-bearing, wrath-bearing, crucifixion, death. That was the father's bitter providence, the the, the purposeful providence for his son. And the son asked the father, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And he quickly added, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He was faithful. When life is good for us, we need to be thankful. We should be thankful all the time. All the time. When life is hard for us, we need to retreat into the fortress of God's providence to find in Christ our confidence, our comfort, and our perseverance. And as we share in Christ's sufferings, we have the promise of sharing in Christ's glory. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, through 4-9... guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom we were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Saints, there are great benefits in believing and confessing God's providence. I'd encourage you to meditate on Heidelberg 28. It's parked there. Here's what this truth of God's providence does for you. When God brings you adversity, you can be patient. You can be strong knowing that your father loves you and that he is actively working for your good. When God blesses you and you just have a smile on your face, you can't get it all, you just everything is going great. You might be newly married. You can be overjoyed And overcome with gratitude because you know that your God is giving you amazing things and good things. The big and small things become purposeful when you believe and trust in God's providence. When God brings you afflictions, remember that no matter how bad things get, nothing, nothing can separate you from your Father's love. You belong to him and he's caring for you and he's keeping you safe. When you experience adversity, you can be confident that your father has your well-being in mind and he's acting unto that end. He gives you pain and he gives you pleasure so you can know that he is good and that he loves you. To grow hard and bitter and angry is rooted in rejecting God's providence. Embrace it. And you will know intimately the love and care of your heavenly father. Life is hard. Retreat into the fortress of God's providence to find your confidence and comfort in God.